is there such a thing as writer's block? Well, what does it take to be super creative over the course of a career, over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? Four specific nootropics that you can use to improve your creativity. 20% of scientists and researchers take prescription drugs in order to increase their performance in some way. It's very hard to be an artist and to survive over any reasonable period of time. Creativity now is as important in education as literature. I think the writing Hey guys, welcome once again to the Writer's Block Podcast. This is your host Aaron and we're back for episode two. Firstly, I just want to apologise for taking so long to get this episode out. It's been a uh, pretty crazy month or so, juggling everything. And to be honest, uh, I still have no idea what I'm doing. So once I figure it all out and iron out the creases a bit, I'll start pumping these out a bit quicker. In the meantime, today's episode is one that I was constantly thinking about for about a week after recording it. There's a lot of gold in this one, and it'll prove valuable, I think, to any creative who's wanting to pursue their passion and make a living doing what they love. Travis Bryce is an internationally respected commercial illustrator from Ballarat here in Victoria. With more than 20 years of experience working as creative across all mediums, he's currently represented by the illustrious Jackie Winter Group, and they themselves have an incredible roster of artists. And he's built a reputation as a leader in the Australian illustration industry. Travis worked nationally and internationally for some of the most innovative advertising agencies and clothing labels. And just to give you an idea of some of the brands and companies that Travis worked on projects for, um, I've got a few here and you might recognise a few of these. Sony, Intel, Jack Daniels, Big M, Virgin, FedEx, Commonwealth Bank, Comedy Channel, ABC, Vodafone, Island Def Jam Records... Warner Music, Nike, Santa Cruz, Mambo, Converse, Johnny Cupcakes, Blink-182, Eddie Vedder, Pixies, so, so much more. In fact, you may have noticed we've got an awesome new logo for the writer's block, which was designed by Trav. I'm absolutely stoked with it. He's also respected for his evolution and experimentation and is presented at numerous design conferences and universities regarding his work and processes. Trav's got a really interesting story, an inspiring one. And he's a a real testament to the saying that you basically have to be prepared to eat shit and be patient for about 10 years in order to achieve success. I first met Trav way back in the 90s when we attended high school together in the little country town of Dimboola. That's actually how we started the conversation and then 10 minutes into it I realised that we weren't even recording. Again, no idea what I'm doing. Probably not an entirely bad thing though as we talked about some things we probably shouldn't have. Speaking of Dimboola, there's a couple of instances where Trav mentions a guy by the name of Tim... He's referring to a mutual friend of ours, also from Dimboola, Tim Williams. Tim and I have been playing music together in various punk rock bands for well over 20 years. You can find Trav on the socials, at Travis Price Illustration on Instagram and Facebook. That's T-R-A-V-I-S-P-R-I-C-E-I-L-L-U-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N. At By Price on Twitter. That's B-Y-P-R-I-C-E. And don't forget to check out his website at travisprice.com.au. And as per usual, all the links to anything we discussed on the episode can be found on the show notes at theridersblock.co. All right, let's get into it. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Travis Price. <laughs> all right, now we're on. Now we're on. <laughs> uh, Trav, 
again, thanks for uh, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. For the yeah, second time. Cool. Yeah. Because we've been uh, talking for about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so yeah, and yeah. I realised we weren't even recording. <laughs> Which is probably a good thing. I think we covered a few subjects that probably shouldn't be discussed. Probably. Probably. <laughs> I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about these uh, the early days, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. not. We, we tend to ramble on a little bit. Um, anyway, just to catch people up on speed, we, yep. we, we, you and I know each other from, uh, from going to school. Yep. Um, in the massive metropolis of Dimboola. Yeah. Uh, so. Population of 2000 in country Victoria. Yep. Small, cosy. Um, we went to school at the Dimboola Memorial Secondary College and that's basically what we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes. Yep. Our uh, early memories of the school, which, uh, people probably don't need to hear about <laughs> let's be honest yeah that's true um but you were just saying um yeah you moved you did your primary school years in yeah in Horsham. Horsham. yeah and then my you know family moved to Dimboola when I was in year seven and just saying you know I think looking back we're really kind of lucky to you know have grown up in such a small community yeah um you know Luke and I we kind of learning difficulties. Um, I kind of look at already been kind of three years at tech, and I I think I'd done like um, a term at tech school in Horsham, and it was just so big. Like you yeah. just kind of thrown in this huge school, and then you kind of go from there to Dimboola, which I think Dimboola had you know about 200, 250 students, something like that. So it was one of those things that you know looking back, I kind of feel like we we're probably nurtured, and I think everyone was as much as probably some guys and girls look back and probably hated their school years i kind of look back and think well geez you know there was stuff that teachers did for me back there that i wouldn't have got in horsham you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, um, they give you a hard time but i think at the end of the day they were trying to kind of push you through to actually pass or, or move on to what you want to do next yeah definitely I, yeah. I couldn't agree more um and yeah as you said at the time it's sort of I didn't really, I didn't personally didn't really look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but looking back now, yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I ended up dropping out at the start of year 11, I think. Oh, wow. Um, so you didn't go through the VCE no, I didn't roller coaster? Do, I, I, <laughs> no, I started it, I, I think. And then um, yeah. I just, I, I didn't enjoy school. Yeah. I enjoyed the social aspect of it. I just didn't enjoy most of the classes that yeah, I was doing. Yeah. It's like, it did. like all, I, all I wanted to do was play music. Yeah, well, and I think that's it. Like, you know, on the other hand, this sounds crazy, but my favourite year at school was year 12. And uh, and it's because I did all the subjects I wanted to do. Um, I think, you know, where Chris Eakin-Smith was the prime minister, uh, principal at the time, prime yeah. minister. He was like, <laughs> but um, he'd worked out that I didn't need to do maths in year 12 and that I could still get my VCE, wouldn't get a high TR. Right. Um, but but the courses that I wanted to get into at uni, I just needed to get like a D in English and then the rest of it was folio-based. So right. that was kind of a nice turning point. Whereas, you know, I'll probably look back at someone like you and you kind of think, well, that whole models, it's all of kind of about in one sense being good at sport and in the other sense being able to retain information and you're academically smart. Whereas, you know, you kind of look back and think, well, you know, we had a lot of farm guys and um, they probably all left in year 10. But my argument would be that those guys were problem solvers, but that was never kind of lauded or, you know, yeah. that that they could work out how to, how, to, how things work and, and that type of thing. And I think um, from an arts point of view too, 
you know, music and, um, you know, ceramics and all that type of thing, it's not really seen as being something within secondary school. Yeah, and absolutely. And even, even in that community. Yeah, like in, yeah. In, in, growing up in a country town, you know. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't looked at as something that you do. Yeah, it's a weird one. Like I was thinking about it a while back and you kind of think, you know, that whole saying about, you know, a, um, a big fish in a little pond yep. and it, it kind of felt a little bit more like a weird fish in a little pond, if yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely. a lot of the time, um, I still really enjoy my time there, but you probably do find that um, you conform, naturally conform, um, you know, and then kind of do what you do in your own time, yeah. if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, yep. so... I think, you know, like like I was saying before, that the fact that you and Tim have come out of Dimbola and, and what you guys have been able to do with music is just, to me, it's just freaking amazing, you know, like, because there's no, um, I guess from my point of view with what I've done, there's vague, there's a vague kind of path, but from what you guys have done, there's no, like, set path to yeah. you do this and you do that, you yep. know. Things have probably changed now where, you know, I think um, there are music courses and that in Melbourne, but back then... Yeah, we had you nothing. Know. Well, you we know, nothing. you think that we finished, I finished year 12 and I hadn't even experienced the internet yet. Like that yeah. was going to be a new thing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of funny times really. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I remember Tim used to print out, because he was still at school when yeah. I left, he was still at school because he was a couple of years younger than me and he used to... Um, print out web pages like, like <laughs> go to websites of bands that we used to yeah, listen to yeah, like yeah. old punk bands and he would just print out like every page of their website <laughs> just for me <laughs> just to just to, yeah, just to read, read. yeah oh wow you know from the uh, the school using the school's internet yeah it's crazy well, it's crazy access. now like um i remember you know certain songs that you liked I remember listening to it on tape, like I think it was uh, Ween's Push Little Daisies yep, yep. and writing down the lyrics. I used you, to do the same. You kind of think, what? Yeah. Like half those lyrics you can't understand. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so you can see like back then there was all these mistaken lyrical kind of things that you thought, oh, that's what they say, you know, like um, Tony Danza and all yep, that type of yep, thing. Yep, 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 <laughs> It's just crazy. Isn't that funny? I was saying, saying to someone the other day, we were talking about um, singing the wrong lyrics. lyrics. Yep. And I was saying that I've, for years in Behind Crimson Eyes, I was singing the wrong lyrics <laughs> to one of our songs. Oh, wow. For years. I just thought it was something else. And, yep. and then one day I brought it up to, to Josh, our singer, and I said, isn't it this? And he's like, no, man, it's never been that. Like, really? So I've been singing it wrong the whole time. Yeah, it's like, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway, um, so prior, prior to school, like... Um, when did you sort of realise that it was the the whole arts thing? Yeah, you just to trying to like, think. It's just something um, that you've always been, been into. Yeah, it, it's a weird one. Like, I, I can remember kind of being in prep and trying to draw stuff off TV, stuff okay. like that. So, just kind of was always there. It probably wasn't that, you know, open, probably not until, say, grade three where, you know, people start to say, oh, you're good at drawing, you know what I mean? And then that kind of pushes you along to get better again. Like, it's kind of that enforcement. So, yeah. I kind of think, um, yeah, it was, it was from an early age, you're just into it. And then, you know, someone kind of gives you a pat on the back and then that kind of pushes you forward to keep going and going. And, yep. you know, and so, um, yeah, just kind of kept going. I think oh, in year, well, grade six at, at Horsham, they kind of, um, oh, 
it was weird. I think they kind of felt that I was didn't have any um, what's the word for it. Um, I couldn't kind of keep focused in class and that right. type of thing. Yep. So which could have been a learning thing because I honestly didn't understand most things yep. <laughs> either. But um, so they sent me off and and sent me up with a, a mentoring program. I was in grade six, so every two weeks I'd go off to a graphic designer in Horsham and. Um, He'd set these little briefs for me to do while I was there. So that was kind of a nice thing. And then we moved to Dimbawala, so that kind of stopped after that. Right. Yeah. So, and then just kind of a lot of the stuff you'd um, learn at school. We had some really good teachers. But, you know, I think the issue I had was I was getting in trouble in art because I'd already kind of done all this stuff three years before. And then they're back teaching me how to um, shade a sphere. Yeah. Yep. Right. Because you have to kind of. You can only move as fast as the slowest buffalo, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yep, yep. Um, so, but I still enjoyed, yeah, going through school. But a lot of the time, most of my real, what I kind of refer to as real artwork was done at home right? Um, for myself. Okay. Yeah, so it was kind of one of those things, probably no different than you, playing guitar and writing lyrics and yep. stuff like that, that you kind of did all this stuff and not everyone would see probably the hours that you put in to that they just think oh you know you're just really good at that but the truth was you're kind of a little bit ocd Mm -hmm. ocd yeah behind Mm -hmm. scenes that you're just thinking about this thing you know 100 percent of the time yeah and i think that was probably half the issue maybe with you at school too that you're kind of thinking i don't really want to think about this i want to think about this thing absolutely constantly all day absolutely (laughs) i still find that now yeah, it's... Uh, especially, especially, and this is something I've thought about quite often, actually, quite a bit, especially when you're doing um, repetitive things. Yeah, yep. Repetitive, mind-numbing things. Yeah, like, yep. Like, for me, like, uh, my day job, like, I, I drive a forklift. Yep. Constantly carting things back and forth. Yeah, yeah. the same thing, and I'm always thinking, thinking about... Thinking, yeah, something else. music or lyrics or just musical ideas in my yep. head um so yeah it, it was kind of like that at school like i, I would just zone out yeah. quite often because the other stuff like science and math just didn't it's not that i couldn't do them yeah it's that it didn't interest me yeah it's a hard one i and think and i just think you know that's where it, the system it probably has changed but it had to change in yeah. that um you know, I don't know. Like, I think there, w- there was probably certain people who were very smart that we went to school with, but there was probably other people who could just remember information. Yeah, yeah. But, but they couldn't problem solve. That's mm-hmm. my argument, you know, that whereas, you know, they, they probably needed to nurture some other things, you know, along the way, I think. that, um, and, and I guess it's hard to, like I said, um, you just don't know what the, f- f- you know, financially what... Um, a career if it's viable or not at the same time like you're trying to work out what you're going to do like I think for me I like to draw and you're kind of like well how does that kind of cross over to a job um, absolutely so you know looking back now it's probably become a sign writer which would have been pretty cool mm-hmm. which you know which the average person on the street can understand what you do and then the other thing was I think um, my teacher in year 11 year 12 kind of said well you should probably maybe check out graphic design which i had no idea really what that was and um and you know chase that instead but you know like with you like what are you gonna do like just you know pack up the car you know and and just kind of play as many gigs as you can you know like there's kind of no 
Well, that's the thing. That, that's that's kind of what we used to do. Yeah. But at school, like, it didn't even... Like, I, I knew that all I wanted to do was play music. Yeah. But it didn't occur to me ever that I could make a living yeah, from playing yeah. music. That just didn't cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, the first step, I think... Um, was you know I wasn't looking to, to leave school, but Dad just came to me one day and said, "Look, there's a job going in Horsham yep. at a music store, which is the, the out really, wanna, isn't it? And do you wanna, yeah, do you wanna drop out of school yep. and go work there? It's a traineeship, so yeah. you can, you're still learning. You which know. would have been the only, <laughs> well, back there too would have been the only kind of music store within it was proper music store it was like <laughs> between yeah case. between here in Ballarat yeah and yeah. Like, yeah so that's crazy crazy yeah. um so when you finished that school what what did you do like what was what was the next step yes the next step was um to get into uni to do a design course and and um and that was kind of a weird thing in itself because Melbourne scared the shit out of me, like absolutely scared the shit out of me. I think um, in year 10 we did work experience in Melbourne where you had to stay at a hostel and then find your way and that's, like I did it and it scared the absolute shit. I had, you know, people hassling me for money and so um, so I'm thinking, right, you know, I knew that there was a course in Ballarat and I thought it's Ballarat or bust, I'm not going to Melbourne (laughs) no matter what. So luckily came down to Ballarat, did the interview and um, and got straight in, which was, you know, it meant that I think I'd already been accepted and I must have finished VCE at that stage, but I already had kind of this A letter that said I was in and then everyone kind of had to wait another couple of months until they find out what what school had accepted them. So right. that was kind of a blessing in disguise, I think, looking back, because I think that it's all these sliding doors, you know, like what if I didn't get in there? Like, yeah. you know, what would I have done? Um, and that type of thing. But, you know, luckily, you know, which is probably something you experience later is that you go to this class and suddenly you're in class with 20 guys who can draw, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of um, really, really good because it's kind of like, you know, steel, sharp and steel kind of thing that you kind of had to kind of work out where you sat within the pecking order and, and it was, you know, a lot of competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, to try and get better and try and be the best, you know. Um, not that I was the best, but, you know, you're still kind of chasing the carrots to kind of yeah, try and topple everyone. That's, that's a perfect attitude to have. Yeah, know? yeah. So that, that was great. So did three years um, in Ballarat and, you know, did fairly well, I'd say. Like, um, kind of came out of there. We, You know, at that stage... Um, Ballarat had a really strong design course um, and it was kind of nice back then too because um, design was a new thing so all the unis only had a certain amount of places whereas now for instance it's almost like late 90s um, graphic design became on trend and so everybody wanted to be a graphic designer and so what it meant is that the unis opened up you know they might have had say 20 places per year and they, they opened it up to, say, 80 places per year. And okay. so suddenly the market got flooded and that type of thing. So I think I was kind of lucky to get there just as that was about to kick off. Um, the Adobe, Photoshop and Illustrator was mm-hmm. all new. Apple computers, well, Power Macs and that were new as well. So so they kind of came in the second year I was at uni. So the first year was still a lot of hand drawing and cutting and pasting and stuff like that. 
um, and got introduced to the internet for the first time, which was kind of crazy, which I think, you know, back then was called the information superhighway. So that just kind of, I didn't quite know what that thing was or what it was going to do. But, you know, looking back now, it's just, it's hard to think about a time before the internet. Absolutely. It's just kind of crazy to think what has happened in the last 20 years, you know? Yeah, well, it's just crazy. Like for us back then, it was all about books. And like, as you'll see, I still collect a lot of books. But um, back then, just everything, like, you know, as you know, like if if you kind of could see something you liked in a magazine, you cut out and keep it because you just didn't have access to this. So like, I think that was the other thing, like as a, 17, 18 year old I used to collect um, swing tags from t-shirts okay and stuff like that yeah, like, awesome. um, like all the Mambo stuff mm-hmm. and that because I loved Mambo back then because it seems crazy but you just didn't get access to that stuff otherwise unless you kind of found it bought it or whatever um, so for me it'd be nothing to kind of go into a store and try and knock off all the swing tags yep. without buying the tees mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so <laughs> brilliant yeah so just stuff like that was kind of cool yep yeah but um I was trying to think from what happened there was, you know, after I finished uni, um, went off and, and this is where things kind of get, I don't know, like a bit off track for me. Like okay. I kind of, um, I, some, in some part of me thinks they were the lost years, but they were still kind of, you know, you earn your scars kind of thing yeah. <laughs> in those years as well. So the plan was you, you finish uni, you're kind of up near the top of your class, maybe, um, and then the kind of the path was that you move to Melbourne, you get a job and you just do awesome shit and, you know, live happily ever after and that type of thing. So, so that, you know, after uni moved down to Melbourne in a share house, um, and then started applying for jobs. And then, and back then, you know, like, as I said, internet was new. So the only way you could get design jobs was you'd have to buy the age on Saturday and the age was the only paper that would actually have design jobs in there. Right. And then there might be say, you know, there might be say five design jobs, but only one of them's for a junior. <laughs> so then you'd um, write away and apply for that um, yeah, via post, mm-hmm. you'd post them a letter mm-hmm. and then they'd then either ring you up and organize a meeting to go in and you go in with your folio and you show your folio to them and then you'd kind of wait after that um, and a lot of the time I'd get rejection letters so two weeks later you get a letter just saying thanks for coming in Um, sorry you weren't successful you know and all this type of thing so kind of just went through that for months like just of turning up to interviews getting you know not getting in and 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 it was tough because you know looking back now um, I just had no foot in the door like looking back now half the jobs aren't even advertised you know it's it's all about who you know and that type of thing so you know it was tough you you're kind of going to these jobs you know and getting rejected and, and i was i think i was on the dole and because i had a degree they made me try and track down seven jobs every fortnight so you're trying to track down any job that would have you like i think um it got to the stage i was applying for women's shoe salesman jobs so right. i just thought i'll do anything just to try and make this happen do you know what I mean like there was that that kind of and there was that pressure too you know that I was the first of my family to go to uni so you kind of didn't want to go home with your tail between your legs either at the same time Um, so it was just crazy and then finally 
got a job. I got this job and um, was a, a probably young guy at the time. Was setting up his own design studio, um, and he said, "Yeah, you've got the job." So I was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm cool." But then looking back now, um, he wasn't really set up. So I had this job that was casual, which was like, say, initially two days a month. Right. <laughs> kind of thing. Yep. Gotcha. But had to do, like, you know, had to had to do whatever I could, mm-hmm. like just because um, it almost seems within design, once you've got two years under your belt, you're employable. Right. But if you don't get those years under your belt... It was tough back then, and uh, and I think from my point of view, um, I probably wasn't. I probably played by the rules. Like, okay, this is how the game's played. These are the stepping stones, and this is how things happen. So at the same time, I probably wasn't helping myself. Right. At the same time, like, so I, I had um, ideas like that. Well, in your folio, you can only show the work that was actually done. You can't show work that was just made up, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. So stuff like that. So you know, so if you kind of had got a job that wasn't, you know, cre- you know, creatively amazing, well, that was in your folio, and that's what you showed, and so you weren't really kind of probably showing, you know, much muscle right. within there as well. So yeah, kind of did that for ages. Um, the other thing I should say too, like. Now you probably say, "Oh, Trevor, and you freaking get a computer and do all your own work." But um, but kind of back then, computers were about six grand, and they were a big deal. Like you just didn't just the average person didn't, just didn't have a, a big computer, especially yep. Apple computers back then. Mm. Um, which back then too was very Apple and PC. So if you were using um, files or whatever on Apple. They weren't really converting Compatible. over that yeah. well back then either, so yeah. it wasn't an easy kind of fix to just get a PC and work off a PC. So, yeah, so I kind of was in the wilderness for a bit there, just trying to get jobs. Worked at a few different jobs. Um, oh, you know, things happened. You know, and I think coming out of uni, being really quite confident in my ability, it just um, moved to Melbourne, and I was just fucking green, like green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like. I remember going into a cafe and just saying, oh, you know, I'll have a um, toast ham and cheese sandwich. And they're like, we don't serve that here. And you're thinking, what? Like, yep. this is just, I'm a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And so it was weird. It was kind of like I um, went back in my shell for yep. a long time and didn't didn't totally recover, I think, for a long time either because um, I still worked as a designer and worked on a lot of different jobs like um did a lot of website stuff which then back then meant that you did a lot of flash animation or games um did a lot of print stuff as well you know like did stuff for say visit victoria and um you still did stuff for shock records and stuff like that back then as well so learning all the time about how to do all this stuff but um but i guess at the same time you didn't quite feel like you're flexing your muscle to what it could be but you were just happy to try and hold down a job. Um, I ended up at a, um, a, a like a website um, studio, and you know, because everyone kind of went through that stage that every business suddenly needed a website. So I went off and worked there for a few years, and they were just a husband and wife um, team, and things were still pretty tight for them, I think. And I remember um, I went away on holidays to um, Queensland for two weeks. 
and then came back. And um, at that stage, I'd moved back to Ballarat because I, I didn't really enjoy living in Melbourne. I didn't feel relaxed in Melbourne, which was a, something we can chat about later because that's a whole different kind of story. Yeah, so get back from the holiday and they call me aside and say, hey, we have to let you go. So it's almost like I'd got on the train, travelled for two hours to get told in the first five minutes. And then I just remember um, catching the train back and just you're just in free fall. Yeah. Like, you're just like... Yeah, it sucks. Fuck. Like, I think I, I was living by myself in a um, flat in Ballarat and you just... Everything's going through your head like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, luckily I, I rang up my old boss and he said, yeah, come along. They'd since kicked a heap of goals since I'd left um, and um, we're looking after a big... Um, electricity company's website so i went back and worked for the, them for probably another three four years and it's almost like i'd had the absolute shit scared out of me that i was not going anywhere after that point i was just gonna you know go to work each day make money pay bills and, and that was it so yeah. um it was a killer so you know moving on a bit longer than then I decided to move, oh, well, I was living back in Ballarat. Renee was here, who's my wife now. So I decided to um, work at a studio in Ballarat as well. And, and that was actually quite good. Um, you know, creatively, you're probably much the same as Melbourne. Um, a lot of the time, if you, if you get a big client, you're working from style guides. So they've already got their logo and they've already got their colours and this is, you kind of paint by numbers a lot of the time. So kind of doing a lot of that kind of work but the nice thing about that place was um that you'd get given the responsibility of the job from start to finish so you had to quote it and meet it and and um so that actually kind of set me up to have the confidence to actually go out on my own um and i remember i hit 30 and um i just felt like this is good as it gets like trav your dreams over dude um i think we're about to have a kid um we'd got a mortgage um but but what i had been doing during this time which i hadn't been doing a lot of was a little bit of illustration in the background okay. so i'd done a couple of mates um t-shirts for his um uh, you know for his his store and then along the way i somehow kind of stumbled across doing a couple of t-shirts for mambo which was a really big deal and that was really nice it was kind of one of those things where the door opened for a second mm -hmm. But I was, I was, at the same time, I was in free fall. Right. So no doubt it's the guy saying, Trav, you need to go this way. Yeah. And me going, I just need to, I just need to hold down a job, mm -hmm. you know. So I did a couple of jobs for Mambo, but then, yeah, went straight back to my old job, you know. So kind of um, hit 30, uh, been doing a lot of this stuff. And I was always, always mindful that designers have a shelf life, like... No one's going to a 50-year-old designer to get their awesome new tattoo for their new coffee shop done. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So that was in the back of my head. And um, then out of nowhere, I got this email from um, a big um, design conference in Melbourne. And they said, do you want to come and speak? And That's I'm crazy. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what like, the fuck? <laughs> where, did, where did they... Well, it's weird. Like, it ends up one of my mates from uni was involved in this conference and they said oh we need someone you know doing more t-shirt stuff and whatever and he said you should get my mate trav and i was kind of looking at this thinking you know they're going to be joking i'm not 
I haven't really done enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and but for some for some reason, I agreed to do it. And I was like, way like you know, like fake it till you make it. Yep. Like fuck. Mm-hmm. Like so, this conference was a two day conference, and some of the like caliber of people speaking, they they kind of flown in from New York and everything. And here I am, mm-hmm. you know, trying to fucking talk shit and trying to make it sound a lot better than what I was. Um, I love it. Yeah, like crazy. So, you know, I got up, did my talk, really just talked through how things had been. And, um, yeah, that was kind of the catalyst to say, hey, fuck it. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to become a freelance kind of illustrator, designer. And, um, and it's been 10 years now and it's yeah been crazy ever that, since that, that is crazy yeah like just so. to just to say that's it like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna do this like just go all in well that was it yeah and that and it goes against and i think you know looking back to us growing up in dimboola it goes against everything that's naturally in us yep to kind of step right out of our comfort zone and 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 be insecure or unsecured you know yeah to absolutely so but that being said i was still smart enough to have an exit strategy so nice um, I'd worked out that if I could get a couple of days at the local uni, that was going to be enough to get me through. And that being said, I'm probably a bit hard on myself in that, like looking back to those years in my 20s, I actually learned a lot and across, you know, design and I did everything you can imagine, like TV, animated TV ads and all this. So while I didn't feel like I was flexing my muscle, I was actually doing a lot of work. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, and still... Um, high caliber work at the same time but um but i think it was that whole thing that i remember you know as an 11 year old i wanted to be an illustrator and then you know it's almost like i think they call it like a quarter life crisis mm-hmm. which um you're supposed to have at 25 because yep. i'm a dickhead i have mine at 30 yep, yep. <laughs> and Brilliant. um and, you know and the whole thing about the quarter life crisis is is that you're kind of on this path and you've gone off off your destination point mm-hmm. and you kind of you know need to rejig to okay i've got another 10 years how do i get from here to here yep um so yeah that was kind of an interesting kind of you know 10 years so you know even now when i look back at my 20s um it's hard to think geez they were great do you know what i mean because yeah, yeah. you were just in, in in kind of turmoil internally yeah um the whole time about what you're up to it's a it's a cool story though man and it's 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 very interesting and it's brought you here yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? like, well that's a crazy thing too like um you know that's the other thing that you know i i mentioned that i didn't enjoy living in melbourne i just never and you know like someone like you you thrived in melbourne but i just kind of shut up shop yeah you yeah. know and um and kind of had a couple of key mates and then they moved away kind of in a state and then suddenly i'm just there by myself and just totally like um didn't know how to speak to melbourne people if that makes sense yeah different it was yeah. hard yeah, to absolutely. relate you know because i always kind of grow up you know doing shit like you know oh, a fun weekend would be going to the tip and yep. lighting things on fire you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. just yep. Yep. stupid crap like that and then it was hard to be confident around melbourne people for yeah. me I, th- um, I think for me I found myself being surrounded by people that were from the country. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So all the guys I was playing music with, yep. they were country fine. boys that yeah, yeah, had come to, to Melbourne. Yeah, well, I probably went the other way, whereas I went into probably an industry that exactly. was very kind of Melbourne-orientated. Yep. So, yep. 
yeah, I just I look back and um, it's funny. I, I think about the guys I worked with, and they like that's I guess at secondary school I was pretty loud and always kind of doing something, and then it's almost like I went into my shell for for ten years. Yeah. So the guys who I worked with would probably laugh and think that wasn't Trav, but the truth was it kind of wasn't quite me. I was just I was kind of in survival mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just trying to kind of keep things going keep it all together you know and, and and try and make the best of it i guess at the yeah, same yeah. time but you know at the same time too like um i'd argue that in my head everything had rules and so in my head you sit back and you wait for the perfect opportunity to arise mm-hmm. and and the truth is you know you make your own luck like, exactly you know they exactly. say you know the whole thing that um, isn't it funny that people who work hard are really lucky and that's the truth of it. Like I, I was that's just, it. yeah, sitting back, yep. just waiting, waiting, yep. waiting. And uh, and meanwhile, there was probably guys who, are, you know, may not have been as talented as I was, but they had the gift of the gab and they had they had probably the um, the confidence to sell themselves. Exactly. You um, make your own luck. You just yeah. Make, you, just whereas, make you, know, you know, I'm back in this thing thinking, well, if they see my work, they'll understand. And it's like, it's just, that's not how it works yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, a weird, a weird time, I reckon. Like looking back, I can probably look back too and, and say there was probably a lot of anxiety that I didn't realise was there at the same time. So, you know, that voice in your head is kind of telling you the whole time, man, you, you, you're not, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the same time, like I saw something yesterday and, and it said, um, anxiety is my co-pilot. Right. Which is yep. so funny because it kind of is. Yeah, because absolutely. It's, it's, it's the thing that keeps pushing you to try and get better yep. in that nothing's ever good enough mm-hmm. <laughs> as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So that, that was kind of an interesting kind of phase, like looking back, it's probably now 10 years on from that i can look back and see positives from that period but for a long time i looked at it um i looked at it as failing i right. guess a yeah. lot and it's probably only probably the last three years i've said no man you you've kind of did your thing you've got out of your comfort zone and you you got through it yeah <laughs> that's yeah. Sort of thing. yeah well it's turned out pretty good man yeah well i think it is i think you know that's what i was going to get on to like that you know, moved to Melbourne, didn't enjoy it. My mates left and uh, Renee was um, back in Ballarat working then and I was finding that I was coming to Ballarat on weekends. And there's this weird thing that happens in the country that it's got 30 hours in the day mm-hmm. because you can d- just get, it just feels like you've got time. Yep. Time on your hands. So so I decided, yeah, to move back, commute after that. And so, and uh, and then of course moved back or came back and worked here as well. But meanwhile, the whole issue with my industry was you had to be on the ground, especially in the early nineties, you had to be there to to get these opportunities where of course the internet came along and suddenly everyone had email and you know, probably from I guess my thirties, social media really started to kick along too. So um, I think that with what I've been able to do the last 10 years, just there's just no way I could have done it in the 90s or probably early 2000s to a certain extent as well because just the technology wasn't there yet. Absolutely. Um, and then suddenly, yeah, you, I think that's the upside to, we talk about technology you know, in a negative way a lot of the time, but the upside from my point of view is that, and probably with you as well, that it opened you up to the rest of the world 
absolutely um, and gave you access to the rest of the world which is just totally amazing you kind of uh you didn't have to wait for someone to give you an opportunity to actually get your stuff out there or in front of someone so that's it that's yeah, it yeah it made you know crazy difference i guess yeah 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 absolutely um yeah it, from a musician's point of view like it, a lot of musicians sort of complain that that you know um you know people aren't buying music anymore like yeah, they're just downloading yeah. it and stuff and but uh, from our point of view like when we put out our first album yeah our singer uploaded it to buddy <laughs> pirate bay or something yeah he's like i want people to download i want people to yeah hear like, it. we're not gonna make any money off it anyway yeah like, yeah like, yeah it all goes to the record label pretty much oh it's funny um but you know if people hear it yeah maybe people will come to shows yeah people come to shows yeah. or buy merch you know like yeah like there's an upside to it it's just exposure just getting i always think that's an interesting thing yeah because i think that um it's not that i know anything about the music industry but i think that they had a business model for so long that was so good and then for a long time they've been like hey that's not the rules yeah you know what i mean and then suddenly everyone's had to work out how to you know reapply their model you know which is tough you know that you think about some of those guys who smashed it really um i was watching that uh, the thing about mixtapes i think a while back and mm-hmm. they were saying you know that like, the beastie boys came out with paul's boutique yep. with all the sampling through it and then of course kind of um a few years later that law came in mm-hmm. and i think was it uh, bismarcky was about to release his and then he had to go back to the drawing board you know so yeah like um i think that's a real shame in that it's these grey areas that kind of this interesting stuff happens. Absolutely. Um, you know, that being said, it, you know, everyone's, you know, um, you know, due their money at the, at the end of the day. But For sure. Yeah, it's just a hard one, you For know, sure. that there has to be kind of these, these these rules within that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, in regards to uploading stuff, you know, I just think it is that like that, that I had a mate who always says you can't sell a secret and it's the truth, like you know you can hold on to things so tight but mm-hmm. you, you know if you take a little less money and put something out there um it's kind of the carrot you know that that um, is the stepping stone to other things at the same That's time it. absolutely yeah. so crazy well let's uh let's talk about your little your little workspace here <laughs> this is pretty cool this is where all the all the magic happens yeah apparently <laughs> um talk us through well talk us through what we've got going on here so look yeah we probably should I, you know as you as you would have noticed i live in the the suburbs mm-hmm. of ballarat so it's um yeah pretty quiet um schools down the end of so so i've got three kids and they all live here with me and my wife as well um and you know for instance there's a door right next to my study yeah which is one of the kids rooms mm-hmm. <laughs> as well mm-hmm. so um so it's been interesting it's um initially it was a weird thing because i've always been working from home ever since the kids were babies right as well yep. so um so you kind of just learn to work around it i think the upside to the house is the house is actually quite big because it's kind of yeah, built back in the 80s and, and one of the upsides to ballarat is that um buying a house is affordable for, yeah. for most people <laughs> so yeah. um so it's meant that we've got these two lounges so the whole half the house is separated so it means that um, yeah, during work hours, I've got this whole front lounge area and study space to myself. Yeah. 
Um, and it's been good, you know, like there has been times where kids have been crying and I'm hiding in our um, walking wardrobe, mm-hmm. taking a brief from one of the big ad agencies. Yeah, yep, yep. And you're like, yeah, yeah, do you think, don't talk too loud mm-hmm, <laughs> as mm-hmm. well. Um, but it's been fine otherwise. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things you kind of just get used to. I'm kind of um, of that belief that um, it's a little bit like, you know, that whole whole um, thing about, you know, going to public school versus going to private school. I just think if you've got the drive, you're going to do whatever needs to be done in yeah, whatever space sure. you've got, for using sure. whatever, <laughs> ever, whatever tools you've got. So um, for me, it's been good. Um, it means that... Um, the upside to, to working from home is it's all tax deductible at the same mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. as well, which is kind of nice. But there's definitely downsides as well, like um, which which is it's probably been a battle for me at times where you're super stressed out. Um, this job's due, you know, something's not working out, and you're freaking out a bit, and then suddenly you walk through that door and you're with your family having tea, yep. and you you're supposed to switch off do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so that's been something I've had to learn about myself I think about switching off I don't, I don't know if it's something that you've had to as well like you know we we're talking about the OCD seat mm. yeah yeah that, absolutely um, you know that this thing constantly is wrapping around your head all the time mm-hmm. and you have to learn that you can't be there all the time sometimes you you know have to be in the moment with your family definitely and have to try and cut off and, and I'm not saying that I've mastered that, but I'm probably a lot better than what I was five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> at the yeah, same and, time. and you're conscious of it too. So, so yeah. that was that was going to be something I was going to ask you. Like, um, you know, hey, what what do you do to, sh- to to switch off? Yeah, and do you do you have to sort of uh, like set yourself boundaries when working at home? Definitely, you know, I reckon. Like, like um, yeah, I think so. Like, I've kind of learned too that you know, for instance, on weekends, like for me, a great weekend was doing stuff around the house and then sitting out the back with music going, having a couple of beers while the kids are playing mm-hmm. and sketching ideas for the upcoming week going ahead. Yeah. And um, and I've kind of learnt that, that it kind of burnt me out. Like I kind of wasn't really probably being in the moment or, or switching off. Mm-hmm. I just felt like um, you were in this race and if you slow down, you're buggered, you know what I mean? Yep. So yep. that, so for me, um, yeah, it was you're running as fast as you can constantly and then trying to fit family in around it. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've kind of come to that realisation that it just doesn't work like that, that you have to have that time to switch off. Otherwise, you, you go crazy. Like, Definitely. It's, it's nuts. From In regards to switching off, like um, for me, winter's a tough time because you do you get cabin fever and like I think you know say three years ago I remember um I'd be at home I'd walk down to the end of the street which is 100 meters and drop the kids off to school I might say hi to someone I'd come back home I'd work all day um, communicate with people via email Mm -hmm. and then my next outing might be to the supermarket and that might be for like a week I might that that's I may not see anyone right. talk to anyone um, apart from my family and uh, and it just sends you around the twist yep. like because you you kind of get to this stage where you actually don't want to go out and speak to people either mm. it's I can understand yeah, kind yeah. of how a hermit works yep. like Definitely. they kind of get in this mentality that uh, 
you know, I don't want to talk to people or whatever. So, um, so for me now, I've, I've, I've realized that I have to walk, like I have to go for a walk. Um, when I'm probably at my optimum, I'm walking every morning at six for an yep. hour. Yep, awesome. Just to, to get out and about. It's, um, yeah, it's a weird thing because I'm probably not the fittest dude, but I've, I've worked out that um, it's not a fitness thing. It's a mind thing. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I think that's something that comes with age as well. Like as yeah. you get older, you realise that to do to be your best self yeah to do your best work you need not only you know a healthy mind you need a healthy body as well yeah that's it and it's crazy like um just the you know they talk about the endorphins and everything that it puts in your body and yeah. i always thought ah oh, that's bullshit and then you kind of do it and even like on the cold mornings you feel the cold it's funny how yeah. you like your body reacts that day the other upside to that too a lot of the time is i'll walk with a couple of other mates who, who work in the creative field as well so awesome um so we'll chat about work or what's up or what's pissing them off or whatever and you kind of um you know it, you kind of actually have social interaction plus it's probably good for all of us at the definitely, same time definitely. yeah so so that's definitely been something that helps in that um yeah if i'm walking i've been a bit slack the last day of last week because um i injured myself but um but as long as i'm out every couple of days you know my head's in a good place yep. and i feel like i'm on top of work and I'm on top of the family at the same time. Yep, yep. Um, whereas, yeah, if I let that go, you just feel like you're just trying to play catch up mm -hmm. after that point. It's just, yeah, crazy. Um, and your output, like when your head's probably not ideally working the way it should be, your output's not the same either. You know what I mean? Like it probably takes you twice the time to do something. Whereas if you give yourself the time for a walk or whatever, you can kind of, like you said, even just doing work stuff you kind of can clarify or sharpen Absolutely. things up before you even actually have to, you know, jump on the guitar or jump on a um, sketch pad. Mm. You've kind of worked through the concept a couple of times to, to where it's better than what it started as well. So I think that's kind of all part of it. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess if we were to go through your day-to-day -day sort of activities, it would start off with the the walk in the morning yeah That's, yeah ideally with yep. the walk at six and then normally I, I um and i don't find i find i don't like to walk around here either i have to go okay. somewhere else um do you like, drive somewhere else yeah so yep. i'll drive um so lake wendery is about two k's away yep. so i think it's like a six seven k walk around it so get there in the morning um and it's quite nice because you'll see the sunrise yeah it's heaps of kind of um bird life and everything as well and um, you'll kind of yeah get around there within an hour. I'd imagine there'd be a lot of people. Uh, yeah, a lot of people getting around, running, well. and that type of thing, and cycling around there. So it's kind of um, a hive of activity in the morning yep. as well. And you kind of do that, and it's this whole thing about. For me, it's a. It sounds really sounds absolutely ridiculous, but it's about being connected with the outside world. Yeah. Um, like breathing, smelling, mm -hmm. you know, hearing, and all these things yep. that you don't realize are really important for your body to actually get out and uh and feel that as well and uh yeah so normally by the time you get back um the kids are kind of getting up and and then make them lunch and get them sorted and then you know walk them off to school so you kind of have time to kind of have a coffee some um, tea and well, some breakfast and then get into work and and um normally at the moment i've got a, a planner on, on the wall so okay. all my all my days with um, sticky notes on them to mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to be working on. So a lot of the time, don't have to think too much and like, okay, I gotta do this today. Um, 
that being said, I still do a lot of thinking outside of work hours. So for me, it's still kind of, it is still relaxing at night to when the kids are going to bed and we'll be watching something on TV. I've always got this little sketch pad with me. Right. And it's just putting down rough ideas and trying to work things out. Okay. Um, and, and I think it's been, it was probably back to when I first started um, working in the studio was I used to be shit scared that I wasn't going to be able to come up with something quick enough. Um, so it'd be like, you know, you, you know, you, you're in the studio and then they say, hey, we need to put an extra track on, you know, just smash out a song for us kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which is that, that's kind of how things work in the studio yeah. in that, um, you know, say if someone's come in and they want their logo designed, um, there's kind of set amount of hours and you have to smash out, say, four, four concepts, different concepts to, to show them. So yeah. I used to freak out when I was young you know because you would get writer's block and that type of thing in that so what i used to do is try and find out um the night before the day before what we're going to be working on tomorrow right so then i'd go back home or if i was commuting i'd be sketching and trying to brainstorm Mm -hmm. ideas so that um by the time it came time to do the job i'd hit the ground running yeah um so that's kind of still inbuilt in me yeah perfect to work that out because it's it's time management now with with kids too that I can't do late nights every night, you know, I still need to spend time with Renee and I still need to spend time with the kids as mm-hmm. well. So, you know, like I said before, it's still a, you know, a seesaw in that I can't do that all the time because I'll go nuts, but I still need to do it yep. Yep. Um, for the output at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's like anything that if you've got a job coming up in two weeks' time that you know is coming up, it's just nice to be able to dot point little things on that lead up to those two weeks um, because you'll find that you'll come back two days later and say, oh, that was kind of a shit idea, but this is a good idea, you know, Yeah. and work through it as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's um, going back to the physical space here. Yep. And I've got a, I've got a heap, of, heap of things, ideas <laughs> and that sort of written down here that I want to talk about, so it could jump all over the shop. <laughs> cool. Um, but is, is there one thing in here that you simply can't sort of operate without? Wow. One, one thing in your studio that yeah, it's a weird one this one would this one's probably a weird one it's um sunlight right yeah okay so natural light natural yep. light i yep. need natural light so um interesting yeah it's it's a weird thing for me that um if i can see outside so my desk you know sits um in front of a window yep and yeah if i can see natural light that i'm i'm pretty good especially sunny days yeah right i feel feel really good <laughs> how do you how do you go working at night <laughs> yeah working at night's fine it's fine it's it's more just getting some light i guess just yeah. to kind of you know keep you going the other thing i'd say that i can't work without is um my ideas journals so you know i carry this sketch pad and right. i think i've got these um these black um kind of boxes underneath my um, bookshelf yeah. and so if you pull one of those out there's a couple of them that are just full of old Sketch ideas base. journals yeah, right. so if I can actually go back and go oh here's was some concepts for Mambo yep. or, um, so that's probably the big thing for me that I take them everywhere you're probably the same with, with songs and lyrics and that type yeah, of thing yeah I quite often come across old folders and yeah, stuff that yeah. have lyrics that I struggle to remember writing like yeah did I actually come up with that that's that's terrible yeah it's crazy (laughs) but it's one of those things that I think I've had yeah probably I've been doing the last 20 years is always have an ideas journal and um and a lot of the time I'll put a different sticker 
on the front mm-hmm. that someone's given me. Okay. And so it's yep. really funny in your head. You can visualize when you did that yep. Yep. by what that sticker might be as well. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like when you first hear a song and you remember what you were eating. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. I was going uh, to say um, my old school diaries yeah. have different stickers on them. Yep. And, you know, you can look at those stickers and that would sort of take you back to that year. Yeah, it's funny, like, isn't yeah. it? Stuff like that. And you can, and, and it'll just be something straight out of it. I remember this was happening then or I remember I did this or yep. something good happened or yep. whatever it was. Yep. So it's it's really funny with that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so when... So when a client comes to you with a project, yep. um, what's the sort of process you go through with the creativity? Yeah, it's, it's, like it's, 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 it's a I, I guess it sort of varies from, from client to client. Yeah, it does. Because to a certain extent, I'm a, a gun for hire. So yep. um, a lot of the work I still do will be with an advertising agency. Right, yep. And so they'll have some campaign that they need this illustrated section done. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of put on this different hat that within that, um, they have an art director mm-hmm. and and I think f- when we're doing jobs like that normally they're, they're, it's a good budget it's you know you get paid really well and my whole thing is to be as easy as possible to work with that art director yeah um, they call the shots and and your whole job is to um, try and get to the finish line as quickly as possible for them at the same time that they're happy with mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of always good because it, you kind of um, uh, what would you say like you have that alpha creative where they're they're the shot caller and you're just the tool to get it done yeah. and do whatever they want to do and you know from that point of view too that if I'm difficult to work with well they'll say hey Trevor Price pain in the ass to work with let's not get him on the next Absolutely. job kind of thing yeah. so yeah. so there's kind of that kind of work that's the bread and butter that mm-hmm. you know pays the bills and then there'll be the other jobs that um, so you know as I kind of touched on that I used to steal um, swing tags from T so t-shirts is a really big thing for me I love t-shirts and t-shirt design so a lot of the time with t-shirt design it's a bit of a different one where um, it's more love a lot more love the budgets aren't there as well Um, so it all depends on who who actually approaches you and, and you kind of have to be careful with that stuff too because you know sometimes you'll have someone and they'll come in and I'll say um, yeah man this is the budget just do what you do and you do what you do and they're like nah man it's not working for me yep. and you're like well fuck I've just yeah spent yeah. kind of two days on this thing and now you're saying that no that's not what you wanted mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of the time you're just trying to initially feel people out um uh, you know if there's something that they like that i've done in the past um sometimes it's even good to ask them what they don't like right okay because it's easy to go right steer clear of this if they yeah. don't like that they don't like this and this and this um and you're just trying to um you know get get what they want and still kind of do something cool and something that's still me at the same time mm-hmm. um, but you know that being said it, it really changes from from different client to client like you know some of the stuff's music some of the stuff is like Johnny Cupcakes um, some of the stuff I, I do stuff here in Ballarat that's very different to to what um, a lot of that t-shirt stuff is too it's a lot more probably mainstream connecting to a wider audience as well so um, yeah a lot of the time that's that comes into it too where you're trying to break down who it is um i probably find these days that um it's easy to work with someone who's already established right um so someone who's already got a t-shirt label up 
and they're you know going really well and they've been in the game for about three years um, whereas it's harder to work with someone they're thinking about launching something it could even be a business for instance and it's they you know we're going to start a, a sandwich shop and for me they're red flags because they a lot of the time they want you to do something pretty cheap but you're going to have to be holding their hand and explaining yourself and showing every extra option that whole process through right does that makes sense yeah yeah so a lot of the time these days i kind of find it's easier just to keep busy on the bigger jobs who have an art director or who've been around the block a few times and they know what they want or what they like and um and you kind of have a good working relationship with them mm. you're kind of on the same level so that it's really easy whereas um yeah some of those other jobs which is probably back more to when i worked as a designer that yeah you 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 suddenly the hardest part i think within design is that you know they have this whole thing about the customer's always right okay so you know this sounds arrogant but you know you've spent 20 years doing what you do and then you've got so old mate who used to be a mechanic but now he's decided to do a coffee shop yep. and he's art directing you on mm-hmm. what he wants. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, yep, absolutely. And, and the scariest thing is they, they'll say something like, I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> and that's when you know you've just got to call it quits. Yep. Get the yep. fuck out. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And that still happens. That still happens every now and then. With, uh, But I guess now I can see those red flags early on. Right. And, um, and a lot of the time too, um, just mindful that Instead of saying no, you just say, look, I've kind of got a bit on, you know, it's 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 probably not going to happen or whatever. But um, that being said, I'm booked up for the next six months anyway. Yeah, so, that's awesome. so it's kind of nice in yeah. itself. Yeah. yeah. And you've, uh, like, speaking of like Johnny Cupcakes, like, and Mambo, like you've worked with some pretty, some pretty high profile companies. Yeah. And, and yeah artists, um, like the Sullen. Yeah. Johnny Cupcakes. <laughs> Mambo, um, you've done work for bloody Pixies, Blink One Eight Two, Pearl yeah, Jam. Yeah, it's been a, like, been a, yeah, it's, it's been a mix. Like, how how did how does this come about? Like, well, yeah, it's weird. I guess the last ten years. So we probably spoke about me, um, you know, going through the quarter life crisis, mm-hmm. and then working out from there the exit strategy. You know, yep. do some teaching, and um, and I must say that was really interesting because I kind of quit my job. I kind of didn't feel creative at that stage either. I kind of um, knew I wanted to pursue illustration. I didn't quite know. So I went out and um, became a member of Illustrators Australia. So back then, um, all the agencies would look to Illustrators Australia to try and find talent for their jobs. So I joined that up and uh, I got my first job, which was with Leo Burnett, which was a big advertising agency and um so my first job was um you know how you have a ham bag for christmas that the ham sits in yeah i had to um, it was for david jones and i had to draw the diagram of how to cut your ham off the bone right that was my first job and i think it was like worth say six hundred dollars which isn't a lot but you know i was like shit you know like i'm off you know (laughs) i'm off and running so so kind of started doing a lot of that commercial jobs you know anything from um banner artwork for like Telst, oh, well, for Yellow Pages or mm-hmm. Codrill, um, FedEx, like all these, oh, I think I've done stuff for Wheat Bix and Big yep. M and so all these really commercial jobs through agencies and then while that was happening, um, 
I had also decided that I really wanted to get into t-shirts, but I just didn't know how to make my way into t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd had our first son, Oscar, and I said to Renee, well, she was kind of off work at the time. And I said, why don't we start a boys' t-shirt label and we just do these crazy t-shirts? And um, so we started doing Mr. Mister, which looking back was very kind of based on probably Mambo, like bringing that really crazy stuff back. And at the time, I didn't quite know where that was going to end up, but I just knew that I kind of had to do it. And the upside to that was it was very different. Um, I think we, we said, look, we'll put $5,000 into this thing and then if it doesn't work, we can walk away. Mm-hmm. And it's no big deal. Yeah. And um, and looking back, you know, we can chat about this later, but really what I was doing is, is creating my own platform with my own money, mm-hmm. <laughs> learning on the job, um, you know, we I think we'd release um, a few T-shirts every three months. Okay. And um, try and come up with the concepts for them, get even quicker at illustrating and this type of thing. So, so meanwhile, I'm doing all this commercial work and I'm doing these kids' T-shirts as well. And um, and then that kind of turned into other things like um, doing kids' prints and stuff like that. And we're doing um, decal sets that you can stick to your wall. Mm-hmm. So it kind of kept growing and growing. And I was getting better and better at illustrating um, at the same time and then things just kind of started to kick off from there like um, you know I'd already done stuff for Mambo beforehand but then because I'd done I had this back catalogue of Mr. Mr. work mm-hmm. which was kind of say 50 illustrations of these crazy things um, you know then I had Mambo approach me and say oh do you want to do some kids t-shirts for us and so things just started to kind of snowball from that yeah. um, and social media started to happen at the mm-hmm. same time mm-hmm. Um, and then this other thing happened where I was doing all this commercial work and, um, and I was looking at things, yeah, you know, you've done a heap of work, but I was looking at it going, yeah, but why are all these other guys getting all the cool shit? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're doing Mountain Dew or whatever it is, or, you know, they're doing like snowboards and how are they getting these opportunities? And I think it really dawned on me then that, um, it didn't matter what you had in your folio if it was truthful work or not you needed to actually put cool shit in there because if you put cool the stuff that you want to do in there the client actually doesn't care if that was actually for a job they just want to know that you're able to do that kind of work exactly for them and that type of thing so i started to think well i've got to start doing these kind of experimental things and and starting to push um illustrator more you know the, the adobe program so I started doing that. I started doing just fun stuff like um, if I was into um, a musician at the time, I'd just do a fan poster or yep. you know, I was really into Rushmore and the Big Lebowski, so I just did kind of fan mm-hmm. posters of those okay. and stuff like that. So all that then became part of my folio and then the, the crazy thing was that the commercial job started referencing these cooler things that I enjoyed doing. Right. Um, and so that then kind of came across to t-shirts. I started to think, well, if I keep doing kids t-shirts, I'm going to stay doing kids t-shirts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because that's what you got. So just started doing, um, the odd t-shirt for some little companies and that type of thing, you know, um, and just building up that folio, um, you know, trying to do cooler stuff like skulls and all that type mm-hmm. of thing. And, um, and everything's just a stepping stone to something else. Yep. Um, and then it was this really kind of cool point where, those the commercial side of things and the t-shirt side of thing merged kind of about say three years ago 
where suddenly you were getting opportunities to work on these fun kind of commercial projects that kind of were still streetwear at the same time. Right. Um, and that kind of, yeah, the world's merged and, and it kind of became fun on both levels. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Not, not that the commercial jobs wasn't fun, um, but it just yeah, was where you kind of wanted to head and where you wanted to end up. And, and it was that. It was very, like, you have to uh, make your own luck. Like, you've got to actually do do the work, do the style, you know, if you want to get that kind of work. And um, and that was my biggest mistake as a 20-year-old that I knew that I kind of probably had a bit of ability, but I just wasn't putting that work in to show that I could do that work yeah. as well. So from there, that kind of kicked off. Yeah, just um, started to get opportunities. Um, I probably looked back and Facebook was already kind of kicking off. Um you know, another crazy story is I saw this thing called Behance as well. Okay. Have you ever seen Behance? No. So Behance is, uh, it's social media. I think Adobe um, own it. Right. And it's like a free folio site. So you can go there and put your folio up. I might have seen the link to it on your page. Yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of look at this thing thinking, I wonder what this is. Um, and so I, I set up an account on there and um, I'd gone down to Melbourne and I'd gone to an, um, a conference about streetwear and they had Ricky Powell, who was a um, well-known New York photographer. And he, he did, like, um, did a lot of photos of the Beastie Boys. Okay, awesome. I think I think they might have referred to him as, like, the fifth Beastie Boy at that right. time. He was always with them and mm -hmm. had access to, you know, like Madonna and Warhol and all that. So they, they flew him over and um, we kind of had lunch and then we'd gone back to the conference and meanwhile apparently he'd probably had about eight pints so he's pretty pretty roasted mm -hmm. and he's crazy like with this new york accent and yeah. his hat and he just crazy like just was just talking crazy shit yeah. pretty yeah. well which was, i found really entertaining because mm -hmm. it was like it was kind of like a um something you'd seen on cartoons but it was actually happening in real life brilliant so I went home that night and thought that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I'm going to do a character of Ricky Powell. And so I did this character that was actually, his head was a, an old camera and he's wearing his hat. And I think at the time he had signature um, Puma shoes and he had those on and he, and he kept listening to this radio. He carried around with him all the time as okay. well. And did this kind of cool like mascot illustration of him and um, thought oh, I'll put it up on Behance and see what Behance is all about. So did that and then um, kind of like two weeks later, I just get this email saying, hey, um, do you want to do some Nike t-shirts? What? And it's like, fuck. That's <laughs> and I'm sick. thinking like, and it was like Nike US as well. Yeah. So I'm like, how the fuck did they even find me? Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and so I kind of looked at the guy's name and it actually then tracked him down that he was following me on Behance. Right. Um, and the reason I found that out is because they sent through the brief for one of the projects and they had um, the Ricky Powell image as reference material for what they wanted. Okay. And that's how I worked out because that was the only place I'd put that picture was on Behance. Yep. And so that was a bit of a light bulb moment mm. too that, okay, wait a sec, you know, I, I can access these people yep. <laughs> by putting the work out there. Um, and so that was, you know, another big learning curve for me. Um, I, I probably realized too that instagram has become a really important um kind of tool in that respect definitely in that i follow a lot of guys you know i really respect um but the other thing is you know there's a lot of art directors out there 
who are looking for talent or looking for someone who can do stuff. So that's probably where a lot of things also kicked off. Um, that being said, we probably should also talk about that with a lot of that commercial work I was talking about, um, that's because Jackie Winter had signed me up um, to become um, represented by them. So right. the idea behind that is that um, they're connected to all the advertising agencies. So the advertising agencies say, you know, come in and say, we need some guy to do, you know, whatever, a vector version of this or some graffiti hip hop style thing. And then those, they kind of say, well, we've got kind of three guys, including Trav, on our books. Okay. Which do you think? So that's, and then they negotiate price and usage right. yep. and how long they can use it for and how it's going to be used and that type of thing. So, so I already kind of had that sorted, which really, really helped because, um, it, you know, it's hard to, to kind of work within that advertising game, you know, by yourself. You kind Definitely. of got to be on it, on the hustle yep. 24-7. So that meant that, you know, Jackie Winner were on the hustle 24-7 for me as well. And then meantime, um, social media was kicking off and Instagram was kicking off. And I was watching Instagram and it was interesting because I was finding that there was people who had quite significant followings back then, which weren't huge, but they were getting these opportunities. And that was an interesting thing because I was starting to weigh, okay, right, this is kind of changing, yeah. you know, the the business model's changing again with Instagram mm -hmm. <laughs> and you could see it. And, 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 you know, and now I guess what, what we're talking about really is, you know, that whole influencer market and that type of thing. So I started to work out that I probably needed to invest time into Instagram, getting my work out there in, in front of people and that type of thing. So Instagram has been fantastic in that respect that you can put your stuff up there. And a lot of the time it could be just fun, silly stuff like, um, I use it as a bit of a brain teaser a lot of the time that I've had a full week of work and then we get to Friday and I'll just go, oh, I've got an hour, I'm going to just do some stupid Friday illustration and put that up there and, and off you go. But yeah. it's also a good opportunity to put your other work up. Um, but that's probably led on to all the other stuff. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, suddenly, you know, on different levels, you might have Nike contact you by, you know, because of Instagram or um, I'm just trying to think, you know, um, and that's probably how the whole music thing happened too. So that was with um, Mr. Um, I think it's Mr. T-Cert in um, in the US. So it's Chris Siglin and Ian Williamson. Okay. And um, and they do a lot of the merch, right? For a lot of the big bands. Yep. And so they had seen my stuff and said, oh, "Hey, do you want to you know do some some teas for whatever like Betty Vedder or whatever?" Mm. And and it was just fun. Like it, you kind of um, you know they give you a, a bit of a vague kind of um, framework of where you got to hit and then you try and work out to create something that, you know, is going to sell on that type of thing for them yeah. as well. And, um, and and do the odd poster as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has been yeah, a lot of fun. That's fascinating. Yeah. So it's obviously the whole social media thing's obviously worked for you. I mean, you've built up a, a good following. You're getting lots of work from it. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's, I, see, it's, I see people like from from bands and stuff that I follow follow you. Like, oh, right. yeah, it's, it's awesome so, oh, man, like. yeah, it's crazy and it's been nice yeah because you, you just get these nice opportunities yeah. um and and it's funny too like i think initially where i jumped on um, instagram you know people have this idea that i'm only going to like stuff that's what i consider to be awesome and and i don't think instagram needs to be like that like no. i think instagram like i go and like a lot of different illustrators work or even if, if I can see that they're kind of students and getting better 
I like their work because, um, you know, you just kind of think that's all it takes is just a pat on the back that's with it. each other. Yeah. Keep it kind of, you know, PMA and off you go. You, um, try to get better all the time and, yep. you know, and um, and connect. And, and you kind of find that you suddenly start to have these friendships, which is weird. Yeah. Via Instagram, you yep. never meet, but yep. you kind of, um, you chat to each other. So that's cool. Or you're both into similar things as well. So do you do a lot of collaborations with other artists? Not really. Um, I think it's a hard one. I think I'm a control freak. Yeah. I'm a passive control freak, though. Mm-hmm. So I'll be submissive and just ag- be agreeable. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it's a weird one. I don't really do a lot of collabs um, because I just, it all depends, I guess. But a lot of the time with collabs, if it's, you know, two guys trying to draw on the one thing, um, you never quite get to that pointy end, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Probably get off to a, a bit of a rounded end. Yep. It'd be like if you know you writing music with someone, and I don't know. I kind of sometimes feel that there needs to be that alpha, yeah, who's 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 controlling that project. Yeah, definitely. Whatever. So it's a. I think that's a really hard part, um, because you have to be mindful too when you're working with someone that you don't overstep at the same time and make things weird. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I kind of find, um, it's easier to play your role, work out who the alpha, (laughs) I shouldn't, it sounds crazy I'm talking about alphas, but, but work out who's the boss and who's in control and then, you know, work from there. It's just, it's just an easier way to do it that, you know, if this person's in control, well, I'm just going to take, you know, their direction. I'm still going to do what I think is it, but then they're probably going to fine tune it. So they're happy with the outcome on their end yeah yeah and, and vice versa that um you know if i'm in control of the project i want to try and finesse it or tighten things up to where i want it to be as well so yeah it's a tough one yeah yeah going back to uh, the jackie winters group yep or agency group yeah That's jackie cool. winter group yeah. yeah yeah um How did how did it come about? Like how did yeah, this is a, they this is actually sort of track a, you down? There's actually a funny story. Like did you approach them? Like yeah, so I, I'd been following this um, this website that was all about kind of the the industry, right? And um, and this post came up. Jackie Winter represents um, illustrators. Okay. And I thought I had no idea what that meant. Um, what you know I, I didn't understand about representation mm-hmm. or any of that stuff at that stage so that was early on um so i sent them an email and um, i got this email back saying oh what art shows and stuff have you been in and i'm like none mm-hmm. <laughs> and they said i oh, will send us you know 10 of your pieces of work and um so i sent in 10 pieces which looking back now they weren't great yeah but i sent them off and then i just heard nothing and um and I was kind of watching these guys and they were they were signing up really cool illustrators in Australia. And I was kind of thinking, fuck, I want to be part of this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, one of my mates, Ben Sanders, um, he rang me up one day and uh, he goes, oh, I've just been signed up by this Jackie Winner group. I'm like, do you know what the go is with them? And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, you, yep, you too. Like, you just kind yep. of stumbled into this kind of opportunity. Yep. Um, and so that 
was it you know that kind of uh, really lit a fire under me because mm-hmm. i was like right how do i get onto this thing so um so i kind of took that as a bit of a challenge mm-hmm. that i was gonna you know um work harder get better that type of thing you know the, the, there's this saying you know don't get bitter get better absolutely and i think that was one of those points it would yep. have been easy for me to be shitty yep. with jackie winter and feel that they rejected me mm-hmm. but um but then this crazy thing happened where a year later they contacted me and said hey this is kind of weird but we've won this job for sony and we've used your work what can you do it for us because that's the upside is that you send the stuff in they put it on a file and and that was kind of a, a really interesting thing because um, I kind of talk a lot with mates and students about that is that it's, it was really planting the seed that if you don't kind of put these things out there you can't expect that they're going to just happen straight away Yeah. but you have to put it out there so I'd sent this work off there was a bit of kind of hip hoppy style stuff in there and then this job would come up and they probably didn't have um, the illustrators to cover the whole project so through mining as well and 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 i was chosen um to do these sony posters um so did that through jackie winter um and that was kind of a learning curve in itself like because i was pretty green um i remember the art director giving me feedback and his feedback was just make it cooler. <laughs> I remember yep. thinking, oh, okay. what the fuck? <laughs> Whereas now I know yep. exactly what he meant. Yep. But back then I was like, okay, right, what does that mean? What yeah. does that mean? Kind of thing. So mm-hmm. did the project. Um, and then I thought, yeah, I'm a shoe in for Jackie Winter here. And just like, nah, like didn't hear anything. And, um, and that was like, fuck, I'm right. I'm going for it now. Yep. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? And so just started um, pushing myself out there a lot more doing a lot more work and then um, my work got better and it was doing a lot more advertising stuff and then they kind of said hey we've been watching you've been watching your progression you know I think you know it'd be great if you come on you know as part of it so that was kind of one of those things that you just you got to yeah take it on the chin and just go right well why why aren't they choosing me exactly. or why are they choosing my work what so can I do? yeah so that that's kind of how that kind of came about yeah. and then you know have, have done a heap of work with them um ever since really yeah i kind of see them as uh like a booking agency in in yeah like, within music and that within type of thing music, yeah yeah, yeah i think it, it's interesting i guess the difference between a booking agency is that um they actually um work out copyright and usage rights and yep. buyouts and that type of thing yep. so they've kind of a bit of a mix of yeah. everything in there yep. so and that and it was kind of really interesting to see how that works because joining illustrators australia they give you all the information about you know if you do something for someone you need to clarify how they're going to use it to what that's actually worth um and i heard right. something the other day and this and the best way to kind of clarify it to say right if you're going to do someone for you know something for someone's garage band um that say 50 people are going to see you know you're going to have to be a bit nicer on that price for them you know right. it's probably a bit more of a love job because you know yep whereas um when you do something for a big client you kind of need to relate that to say if it's coke or whoever mm-hmm. you need to work out well how many eyes are going to see that to yep. what that asset is worth to them to to what it should be paid mm-hmm. at i guess so yep. that was a nice thing with jackie winter that um they'd negotiate all that awesome um for you so you know and a lot of times too that they can kind of play bad cop 
to yep. your good cop as, at the same time if, if if something's not kind of going quite to where you want it you kind yep. of say hey can you just maybe just kind of bring this up with them so, <laughs> like, so, you know, so they're the, kind of like booking agency APRA and yeah, a management all company in one, all in so one yeah. it's funny and, and, and it was really good to see their process too because initially a job doesn't start until you actually get a brief and the nice thing about that is that it's very clear cut to what you have to do so that it means that halfway through that project if suddenly their direction changes you then say hey this is off brief we need to renegotiate this price because you're kind of sending me off in a, you know a different direction now yeah. with more work involved so um yeah so that's kind of how they work really and right. and every year they send out um they make a book of all the artists work and then send that out to all the agencies that's as well. awesome yeah so they've kind of really grown um they're based in melbourne and do australia but they're also based in um in the u.s now as well so okay yeah it's quite nice it was it was started by a, a u.s guy yeah, yeah jeremy like, wartsman yep. yeah yeah so yep. he's yeah super nice dude yeah cool. um and and it's yeah called jackie winter because the jw and then jackie winter's actually um, a native a bird, bird as yeah. well yeah yeah, <laughs> so. yeah i did i did a bit of a bit of research on the company yeah um and one thing i i, I was quite interested with was the uh, the winter gardens residency yeah so it's pretty do. interesting yeah so, I, um, I must admit i haven't done the winter gardens residency yeah <laughs> um but from what i from what i can understand is i know that um jeremy's family kind of live out um belgrave yeah area and and they've got winter um yeah the jackie winter gardens and and i think the idea is that you um you know submit to go in there and actually work on a project while you're there and um you know so it's just a, a it's a house essentially yeah, isn't pretty it? Well yeah. A house. So it's set up for, for artists yeah yeah and and i think uh, as part of it too is like they'll work out you know who's coming in for the next kind of um you know however many months and, and i think the other thing too is that it's not just kind of get there hang out you know smoke cones yeah yeah, yeah. um you actually have to put in there that um, the project that you're working on um and that might be like a client-led project or whatever it is as well so right yeah and it's kind of funny i kind of look at it and think oh that'd be nice but then I, I part of me kind of thinks that it's almost set up for melbourne-based creatives to right, get yep. out of the city yeah yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> whereas for sure. i kind I of mean, feel like i'm in ballarat already dude <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. yeah um yeah that's that's definitely I, I i would agree with you on that um living in a place like and working out of a place like Ballarat you probably wouldn't need to sort of get away no it's not too to bad be, be creative or, or sort yeah. of get inspired or anything it's 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 not bad like um I'm just trying to think like because I'm on the east I know the west side of, of um Ballarat um the actual like I don't know paddocks are probably only two k's away yeah so there's actually a, a thing called the rail trail down there that goes okay. all the way to Skipton, which it used to be the railway line. They pulled it up and now it's a, a bike and walking track. So for me, it's you're actually not that far from nature at any given time. Yeah, yeah. So like still living in Ballarat, it's great, but you still I still need to get out and about and, and um, you know, and that's part of it. And I think the other nice thing in Ballarat is that um, you're just not stuck in traffic. Like... Like I, I know that um, if I need to get into the CBD here, which isn't huge, it's going to take me ten minutes most, yep. and I'm there. I probably park nearly out the front of where I need to go, <laughs> get what I need to get, and then I'm back. Yeah. Um. So you probably find that um, 
you're actually not spending time commuting or on trains or on you know trams and that type of thing so yeah i think that's probably the nice thing of country living in absolutely that, um, yeah and that, and that probably comes back to you, you you feel like you have more time yeah. to do things yeah, as definitely. well yeah definitely and i think just i mean traffic alone will would play a big part in that that residency idea yeah, that, yep. that Jackie Winners do. Like you just you get away for for I think was it five days or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they pay for your, your accommodation essentially. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's. And I think um, that's probably the other nice thing. Like uh, it's a little bit you know I always think you know when you go camping yeah that you get back to basics that actually I can live off you know a tent. Yeah, a couple of pairs of shorts, yep. and you know that type couple of thing. And I think, of spaghetti. Yeah, and I think that probably it's a bit different with the residency, but I guess it's that sense that you're you're not thinking about bills, yep. and you're not thinking about all these other parts. You kind of it's um, probably compartmentalizing just working. Yeah, and um, and you kind of don't have to worry about that stuff for a week. Yeah, and I think that'd be interesting in itself. Um, I've always liked this idea. Um, you know, when you go through all these these small towns and you, they always have a town hall that that probably doesn't get used a lot probably gets used for weddings 21st and that type of thing yeah and i've always liked this idea that um you know you could get a group of um you know either musicians or, or a couple of other guys like me you go in there and just set up a table and just sleep and live there for a week yep and it'd just be interesting to see what your output is like still doing normal work but just being somewhere else yeah. and not thinking about other things would be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Should make it happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, you touched on it before, uh, earlier, about the um, you doing some speaking. Yeah, yeah. I haven't um, done a lot for a bit now. Right. Um, I'm just trying to think. I, I've Because I, I did a um, bit of teaching and yeah. then, um, yeah, been invited to a few design conferences as well. Okay. Um, and I've always find them really interesting. Um, a big sort of networking opportunity yeah, as well. Yeah, they're a good I, I networking imagine. opportunity. Um, and I think there's positive and negatives in there too. Like I, I always find it really funny. Um, one of my gripes for, for those things is, um, and I, me and my friends are like this, where you get invited somewhere. Um, so before I go, I go and look at each other person try to remember their names yep. and try and remember what they do and what their background is mm-hmm. um, and I always find that funny that you go to these things and there's certain people you connect with who know what you do they've done their homework and they talk to you and there's other people there who are just there to be rock stars yeah. and you have to explain what you do mm-hmm. and, and all this type of thing so I always find yeah I find that I find it really interesting all that stuff in that um, my approach to going and speaking is trying to connect, working out who the audience is. You know, and my story is very much like, hey, you know, you, you come out of uni and you don't fucking kick goals for 10 years, but, you know, this is how you kind of get back on track. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of try to go in warts and all, kind of say this is what happened, you know, that my first big job was, you know, doing the, the handbag, how to cut your ham up, you know what I mean? Whereas... Um, find with some of those conferences is that people just go there to do a slideshow of how fucking awesome they are right and it's hard for that audience to connect to that person that they could do that if that makes sense so i'm always mindful whenever i speak yeah just trying to connect with whoever it is or whoever that audience is or you know and sometimes that audience may not be into design so you're trying to more talk about what you did 
you know, that they can actually then relate back to what whatever they're doing. You know, it can be, you know, that, you know, you make your own luck, that you've got to do this work, whatever you do to actually get these opportunities and that type of thing. So, um, yeah, so I, I kind of enjoy getting out, you know, maybe once a year and, and talking. Um, and I try to get to the local uni probably once every few years and yeah. just chat to the students there and just talk about my work and, and my not so much um, my processes but more my journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's kind of probably what I have to offer, you know, to a lot of um, young designers and creatives is that, you know, that some of you are going to come out and kick goals, but it's going to be fucking probably about 2% of you that are going to come out and kick goals. The rest of you are going to have to shovel shit for a while. That's it. And work it out yep, and, yep, and earn, you, earn your scars yep, at the definitely. end of the day. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so that's kind of good. And then... Um, and do the odd workshop as well, and and I'm always also mindful of workshops too that um, you're actually trying to give them information of how to do things rather than say this is my style and this is how you do my style. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I find that a bit frustrating. That you know, for instance, um, you'll see a certain on-trend thing that then they'll have all these workshops for, and then you'll get all these minions of that person you know yeah. because of these workshops yeah. and I just find that that's not really a good thing for anyone that um, you know you should more be just trying to give them you know the um, the tools to how to actually work or this could be interesting or whatever so um, yeah so workshops are interesting I still try not to do too many of those at the same time yeah. 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 as well um, and I'm also mindful too that um, I don't know like I'm so a lot of middlemen within this stuff so there's a lot of workshopping places and um so they'll contact you and then they'll say oh you'll get paid by how many people turn up right and i find that just a real cop out like that they're not really having to take a gamble really you know so if five people turn up you might get 500 dollars kind of thing you know and uh so um, I'd probably rather go and speak to uni students than you know these external private workshops that I just think they're I don't know like I think they're there for the greater good mm. but I just don't think that um, I think they're kind of um, to a certain extent kind of leeching off your 20 years experience yeah. at the yeah. same time um, you know f- for their own brand right so yeah, so I'm mindful of that, you know. It's not that I'm, you know, worried about all that stuff, but I just think that you kind of have to protect yourself a bit from that stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's probably one thing that I'm naturally probably forgiving and, and nice to people, and it's probably been the last five years I've worked out, hey, you just got to cut the shit every now and then and you don't have to please everyone. Yeah. Um, and I think for a long time there that I'd feel really bad if someone approached me because they had no budget and wanted me to do their job and you know i'd probably find myself kind of doing it because i didn't want to let them down you know what i mean yeah absolutely so that's where my head's Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. and so um so i found that um i need to be a little bit sharper on that stuff that you know i don't have to do that you know that that what you want me to do kind of helps you it doesn't like that's a lot of prep for five hundred dollars i could just work and and make easy money (laughs) yeah 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 I, i think it's a um it's almost a, a bit of a skill that you need to acquire. Yeah. How to say no. 
Well, it is, you know yeah, I mean? and like, I think that was my issue. That um, and a lot of people just like I'm. I'm very much a yes man. Yeah, like yeah. I and I, I find myself taking on too much, like yeah, yeah. and and stuff that I don't need to. Like, nah, and you know, and while you're doing it, you're thinking, why the fuck am I exactly. doing this? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I kind of find that that um, yeah, and and I think sometimes too, you realise you say yes to the so many things, and then they all come in at once, yeah. and so suddenly you're kind of doing favours. And, and you're kind of stuck doing favours for three, four days and you're actually not making money yep. <laughs> as well. Yep. So, yeah, it's a hard, that's a, a hard thing. And I think I often think that that's a country thing, that where we grew up was, um, you know, not letting people down and trying to help each other out. Whereas yeah. um, I think, yeah, you get to a stage where you kind of got to, you know, look after your own a bit and, and make decisions that best suit you and every now and then there are decisions that benefit you and benefit the person you're doing it with as well but you've just got to work out you know if it's the right opportunity yeah yeah what's been your uh, personal highlights throughout all this uh, I mean, there's gonna be a couple of pretty gnarly ones <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's weird now like um initially for me you know for me growing up mambo was everything like i used to you know wear all their clothes steal their you know swing tags yeah. and so initially, I think it was probably when I was about 25 that I got those couple of jobs with Mambo. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise, I think, at the same time in that I was in free fall. I got that opportunity and, and kind of thought, well, you know what, I'm good enough. You know what I mean? I always thought I was good enough, but, you know, this actually proves that I am good enough. But So that was kind of a, a bit of a milestone for me. But then, you know, of course, I went back to work, shit scared of not being able to make a living kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then from there, I then kind of worked out probably after I was 30 that it was important for me to make goals each year and, and assess my year, my previous year and what I had done. And, um, and so a lot of the time now, which I didn't do last year actually, which I'm really frustrated about because I feel like I kind of treaded water for a year. I was still doing good work, but um, I didn't probably push myself forward as quick you know as enough at the same time so um so that's probably yeah still a main thing to set these goals and then try and tick them off so so they're probably my milestones you know i think initially the first goals i set i think i set in there you know they're all these just little quick things like and they're reminders too like you know you need to do this more you need to you know, you need to say no, you need to, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And I think in there, one of them was, I said, you know, work for one of the big sporting brands or work, and another one was work for a skate label. And okay. so all these little things yeah. um, that it's a really odd. And it seems to me that if you don't write them down, they won't happen. Mm-hmm. But if you do write them down, it's like a subconscious thing that you'll naturally head towards that, you know, within the next year or whatever it is. Yep. Um, and but it's also a good thing to pull back to and say hey I've ended up doing this project how did I end up here I, I wasn't meant to I was meant to say no to this stuff do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's a nice thing to look back at your dot points and say hey I'm you know because especially when you do those those lists you've got such clarity of where you're heading you know where you're going to probably you know make a living from as well but also it's not all about making a living. It is about that creative output. So you still need to have fun in between. So, yeah. you know, for me, it can be that I, I might write in there that um, I want to track down a cool 
emerging brand i want to get back to kind of doing some fun stuff with Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like because you kind of um do all this stuff for all these different brands and you kind of need to get back to you know the garage a bit yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. to where it all kind of began so yeah so that's that's a big one like um yeah definitely nike um under armor has been really good um but then to to go on i think you know a few years back i wrote down it would be really nice to start doing some work for bands yep um i didn't quite know how that was going to happen mm-hmm. um and and a weird thing happened too where i've, I've got a, um, a mate who's in a band and um they needed a poster for a gig and he said oh Trevor, could you do us something i said yeah fucking i'm gonna, gonna try and illustrate the shit out of this thing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and um did it and and that kind of kicked things off that you know suddenly from that i got this opportunity to do one this and then you know it, it all kind of adds up and um and you get these opportunity yeah to do a poster for blink 182 or some merch for them um for me I really enjoy doing both, but I really love doing the merch still as well. Like I like, I don't know, I can't explain it, but I like doing t-shirt design. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit simpler t-shirt design and it's trying to connect and work out who that audience is and how yep. you're going to get to them. So yeah, so that's been you know fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think uh, we don't have much more to really go through. <laughs> Covered everything. Um, yeah, pretty, the only other thing was... Is there anything you do consciously to to make sure that you're always at the top of your game or you're constantly improving um, at your art? And that that's probably the goals, the goal setting. Yeah, I think I think that's because I've I've kind of felt like the goal setting was always placing these carrots to chase. Yeah, and I, I probably like I said last year I didn't. Um, set goals and I kind of felt a bit rudderless like I was kind of doing a bit of stuff over here and a mm-hmm. bit of stuff over there and, and it was all stuff that I'd um, been doing in the past but um, yeah I feel like the goal setting is is kind of you know trying to keep sharp um, naturally in my head um, I think that everything I do is shit so by the time I finish a project I think fuck you could have done better yeah. <laughs> so so that's kind of that ongoing anxiety mm-hmm. co-pilot yep. that um pushes you to be better um i think that you know it's a blessing and a curse like i think like all my friends are super critical on themselves as well and it's kind of you know ignorance is bliss at the end of the day mm-hmm. but it, it's just part and parcel you need that kind of um, self-criticism to get better and um and i think the other thing i'd put it down to is a while back i worked out that um you can't rate yourself to who's around you if that makes sense yeah yep, like definitely. i often found that with um teaching at uni that mm-hmm. we might have a year come through that isn't super strong and so people who they could push themselves further they wouldn't because within the kind of uh, measuring pole they felt they were a top dog right um so from you know my point of view is that you can't measure yourself with within your group you need to be measuring um internationally yeah so initially for me it was measuring on a melbourne level or a sydney level an australian level and then it kind of got the stage where i started to measure myself on an international level to to where i sit with all the big boys right and that's you know that's that's the carrot like yeah yeah thinking, right and and you, you start to break down 
and you look at their work and you say, why, you know, why is this so good? And you break down why it is so good. And a lot of the time it's because, you know, for instance, if skulls are in, um, they'll bring concept to it. It won't be just a cool skull. There has to be something happening with it that no one's done before. Yep. Um, so a lot of that stuff you're trying to break down. It's a little bit like trying to write the perfect pop song mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but you're trying to work out, okay, this is what people are into and this is what they connect with, but you always need to have your own spin and push it that bit further than every other person has as well. So, yeah, that's probably the the, the carrot that keeps pushing things yeah. along. Yeah, that's awesome. I never sort of, uh, I never even thought of thought of that idea, but that's... <laughs> yeah. It sends you crazy. I didn't. What I didn't tell you is it sends you freaking loopy. Yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine. I, I can imagine. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, wrap this up. We've got sort of five questions. Cool. Final questions that I'll ask you, and that'll probably take us to the two hour mark. Oh wow! Two hours. Two hours. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, well, probably two hours, ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's the, crazy. Uh, the first ten that we cut off. Um, <laughs> what would you do differently? If anything, if you knew your rent and bills were paid, wow. Um, I'd definitely probably do the stuff I enjoy more, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, um, so a lot of times I'll, I'll say to people, and it's not always the truth, but it, it almost seems like the cooler shit you do, probably the less money you've made, <laughs> if that makes sense. Definitely. So I probably yeah get to doing a lot more t-shirt work just for the love of it a lot more music work just for the love of it you know like doing stuff for local bands and stuff like that um and the other thing i'd probably get back to more is um doing a lot more painting okay getting back because i kind of feel that it's been 20 years on the mouse in front of the screen um you know the downside of that is my eyes are starting to go Mm -hmm. by the end of the day you just get um your vision gets a bit blurred because you're focusing probably a foot away from your head all day yeah <laughs> so that'd probably be yeah where i'd want to do is actually yeah just do more fun projects just for the fuck of it you know just just for the fun yeah. so yeah sounds good um if you are ever suffering from writer's block what's your uh, what's your go-to move oh um it's probably not so bad these days and it's probably because of the industry i work in that you're always actually creating for an audience right so you know for instance you break it down to okay who is the audience and what are they into what are their triggers and then you start to kind of work backwards and a lot of the time you you kind of work out what you know from my point it's a visual point like what are these kind of icon things that they connect with and then you can kind of work work back that way um i I think it's probably something that i think when i listened to um dan kirby's um interview too he was talking about trying to do an opening drum drum yeah. line to something, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and I th- and I think that that was really impressive because I find that you know from a visual point of view I can do something that's technically and and conceptually freaking next level, but if it goes over everyone's head and they don't get it, exactly, it doesn't mean shit. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So yep. so sometimes you just got to work out who that. Um, market is and what and what they're into and what they want and um and you know it could be that hey they're really into skulls but you just got to bring something new to the game every time you can't just kind of um rehash what someone else has already been doing yeah just got to always trying to bring something new perfect what's one thing they you wish they taught you in school jeez you probably 
to be more of a prick, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was probably a prick enough as a, as a teenager. Um, I was kind of thinking back a while back about this and, and it's quite interesting that a lot of what I do is thinking about concepts mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that stuff will come down to wordplay too, especially on t-shirts. Like we'll, we'll be kind of playing with sayings. Like I think one I did for Rebel 8 was um, um, greasing palms and squashing qualms. Right, yep. So playing on words. And so I reckon looking back, which I probably would have hated at the time, and probably even from your point of view, that you think about all the mathematics shit we learned, which really We've the mathematics used. I use now I learnt by grade six. Yep. And then you think about all of the English stuff, which I think English was always a little bit more interesting, but I wonder if um, there could be kind of a poetry section every year that you have to play with words or have fun with words. Do you know what I mean? I just think yeah. that's quite interesting that even I find now that I'll listen to someone's lyrics and and quite find it really quite interesting that they're connecting on two ways by using the one word and I think that's really for me it's really interesting from a visual point of view as well yeah so that things having multiple meanings and and being kind of displayed in a certain way so yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know I reckon that would be kind of a cool thing to go back and actually have a bit more of appreciation for words um that being said if you probably go back to 14 year old Trav he's like what <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Uh, do you have any favourite books or podcasts? Um, probably not. I mean, not. You've, got, you've got a ton of books. Well, I've got heaps of books, but that being said, they're all visual books. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, that being said, I've still got my collection of Asterix books. So that nice. was kind of where everything started with mm-hmm. me with Asterix. Yep. Um, I don't read so much these days because my vision at the end of the day gets shabby. Yep. Um, I did start reading a book, which I need to get back onto, was The, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Right, yeah. Which yep. was really interesting because yep. I think it's more about... Um, choosing your battles okay right and choosing what to care about and what not to care about i've I've seen that book everywhere yeah so i kind of started on that um podcasts um yeah it's a real mix i I kind of listen to all different things and sometimes i listen to different things when i've got different types of projects too um so but um one i've really been enjoying from a probably from a professional level is one called um adventures in design and um it's done by these this guy in the states and he actually gets more into my industry and and he'll have people on there and they'll talk about usage and money and and the process and stuff right. like that. And, and that's kind of interesting because I'm out here in regional Victoria working by myself. It's just kind of nice to know, right, yeah, yeah, I'm on the right track with that. Or, yeah, you know, these guys are having similar issues or whatever it is and this is how they get around it. So, yeah, I'm finding that pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um Finally, if you could have a conversation with your 18-year-old self or 14-year-old Trav, yeah, what would you tell him? Oh, don't be a dickhead. Don't be a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know. Look, um, I don't remember you being much of a dickhead, like, oh, to be honest. I don't know. In my head, I think that I was just a dick. Like, um, But I don't know. Look, I, th- I think probably my issue, I probably worried about things too much. Um, whereas... You know, probably just say, don't sweat, don't sweat it, man. And, and, and look, if I could give myself that kick up the ass to actually just say, right, no one's going to give you, offer you the perfect job. You need to kind of get going. That would be my big thing is like, mate, you got to make your own luck. Like, I look back now and I feel like um, I'm trying to play catch up. Like, I, you know, I still did um, 
what I did in my 20s was still very worthwhile and it's made me better for it and, you know, um, on a professional level. But, geez, you know, I, I see kids now and everyone talks about this next generation, this and that, but shit, man, like, they're just not fucking around. Like, if they want to go and get something, they're going to get it. And I'm seeing guys like 21 who are already starting the T-shirt label and just not giving a shit or getting that loan to kind of get things happening and Absolutely. I just think shit like I just played it way too straight like you know like and I think you kind of get into this this headspace that oh I can't owe money I can't owe money just like fuck it yeah. like um, man you know if I could I just would have done it a heap of times you, you don't really own anything back when you're young so it doesn't matter how many times you go bankrupt yeah well, well, well that's, that's it that's it and it, and as you said, it's like it's that's what it was like growing up in the country. Yeah, like you had the template of what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, um, and it was pre-internet. Yeah, that's you know, it. Whereas yeah. now the opportunities are, are there. And, you know, well, yeah, and it's just crazy. Like, and I think that's that's the exciting thing that um, this next generation can actually access. You know, you're seeing it in music. You know yeah. that you're seeing kind of. Um, I think I was, I was watching something about Post Malone the other day about how he came about and he was like, Jesus, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, whereas I was watching a Prince documentary the other day and like he really had to get that opportunity and um, and they still didn't initially kind of trust him um, to produce and that and then yep. he just blew them away. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy that um, you kind of think that for to consider, not like I'm writing to Prince, but to consider how talented he was you kind of got to ask the question how many princes didn't make it because yeah, they didn't have yeah, access you yeah, know what absolutely, I mean <laughs> absolutely so that's just crazy yeah alright mate I think that is a good place to hey, uh, cool. to wind this up uh, this has been fun it's been fun and very informative <laughs> thanks mate I, yeah appreciate it. like I said I've always really appreciated what you guys have been able to do with music and it's nice to um, yeah you know it's, and it's been nice to think that you just grew up you know hundred meters down the block from me oh, as well. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> well, thanks, think. man. No worries, mate. Thank you. Hey guys, Aaron again. Hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, I'd love it if you'd spread the word and share it with anyone you think might actually get something out of it. Also, don't forget to check out the blog at theridersblock.co and follow us on the socials at theridersblockau on Instagram, theridersblockco on Facebook. Writers Block AU on Twitter, and we even have a YouTube channel, which I'll throw this episode up on. It's audio only at the moment, but I'm sure down the track we'll probably start filming them too. Till then, you can subscribe to the channel via the link at the top of the blog homepage. Finally, I know it's a pain in the ass, but if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be amazing. It really does help, I'm told. I don't actually know. But if it does, and you can, that'd be awesome. Thanks guys, see you next time.